It's great. It's exciting. So we want, yeah, we wanted to kind of really try and do those two things. We want to look back and be thankful for God's amazing faithfulness in the past. Um, and, but we want to look forward because um, we know that there's more. You know, the Bible is absolutely full of encouragements all the way through to remember, to remind yourself. Like God says it all the time, particularly to the nation of Israel. Like he's remember, tell your children, remember what God's done. Um, and I think you know, it, it keeps us humble, um, but it keeps us thankful for God's faithfulness. And it reminds us who God is, what he's done. But then so position ourselves with expectation and hope for goodness. Just imagine what could come in the days to come. It's really exciting. Listen, I want to um, just for a couple of minutes look at... Um, an episode in um, Joshua chapter 4. Um, so this is to set the scene that the Israelites have, have wandered around in the, the, in the desert for 40 plus years. Um, Moses has died. Joshua is now leading the people of Israel. And they, they're just at the point of, of geographically entering into the promised land. But there's this very large river called the Jordan, which is in full flood. And it's, it's like it's the sort of the final hurdle, if you like, to them actually entering into the, the, the promised land that was the whole reason God brought them out of Egypt um, and so God tells Joshua, who's leading the people of Israel, he says, get the priests um, and get them to go into, right into the middle of the river with the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized God's presence. Um, and as they did that, they went in and miraculously, the, the whole river kind of it backs up um, and it, it dries out and, and all the water is sort of stopped upstream and the whole nation of Israel, which is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, cross over. All the while the, the priests stood there. And then, but God says another thing to Joshua. He says, get 12 men to represent the 12 nations of, of um, Israel to pick up a stone from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priests were. Pick up a stone, carry that over the Jordan into the promised land and place it where I tell you. Um, let me read a little bit for you. This is Joshua 4, um, verses 19 to 24. It says this, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken out of the river Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did, it, uh, did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up as, um, before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So the stones were picked up in a moment in an episode of God's you know, miraculous intervention, but they were to be placed um, as a reminder for future generations, remember what God had done. And I can't help thinking that you know, Joshua's commitment to remember what God had done in the Red Sea gave him faith and expectation. So when he said to the priest, go and stand in the river, I don't think Joshua had any doubt that this is going to work out okay because I remember what God did with a much bigger body of water. And that worked out well for us. So it's this reminder of what God's done in the past, his faithfulness towards us, you know, all those lovely faces, um, you know, his faithfulness to people and remembering and being thankful for what God's done over 28 years is amazing. And, you know, I've been here for 21 of the 28 years, not been here from the very beginning. But, um, you know, for me, those stones of remembrance are a people, like it's living stones, that it's, it's actually God working in and through individual lives and couples and families. And that's what I remember, and that's what I'm so encouraged by. You know, people who are running with us, some are still here, some of them, have you seen, dotted all over the world. And, you know, some of them planting churches, leading churches, some of them on the mission field, some of them, you know, just excelling in raising kids and people working in all spheres of society. Um, but, you know, actually, it's not just that. It's the people who I remember 
actually seeing God set free, you know, people who've really kind of pushed through hard things, who've got free of stuff in the past, who've, you know, known God's miraculous provision. Um, like, it's those living stones, it's the stories. Um, you know, and even, you know, not everybody's story, we saw this morning, and, but, you know, we get to walk some stories with some of you guys, but, you know, people this year I know who've, you know, really pushed past anxiety, you know, who are really, you know, committing to believe for God in hard situations. Those of you who've done grief beautifully well when you've lost people you shouldn't have done like it's it's you it's those living stones over 28 years 21 of which I've been here and you know, that's it's people that I look back and think gosh look what God's done in people's lives through people's lives that so encourages me and um, and there's this there's this little verse in 1 Thessalonians um, where Paul is talking to the church there it kind of sums up I guess how I'm feeling and um, he says this to them after all what gives us hope and joy what will be our proud reward and our crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns it's you you are our pride and joy and genuinely it's not an over exaggeration to say that you you guys really are our pride and joy actually to see you guys believe God go after him step out you know dream big take risks fail sometimes and get up and keep going again it is I wouldn't swap places with anyone on the planet it is our greatest joy and so I want to encourage us this morning to remember to remember what God has done in your life but actually in other lives over these 28 years and God says that in Isaiah 46 says remember the former things those of long ago I am God there is no other I'm God and there's no one like me I make known from the the end from the beginning from ancient times what is still to come and I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please so encourage to remember Remember, 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 and to be thankful. He's God, there's no one like him. But then, interestingly, God also says in Isaiah, forget. He says this in Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Because, you know, the interesting thing about that story in um, Joshua is that those stones were placed, it says, just at the east of Jericho. And if you look at a map in your study Bible, like they were right on one edge of what was the territory of the promised land. And so they were to place those stones there as a memorial to remind themselves what God has done. But they weren't to stay there. Like that wasn't where they were supposed to camp. They stayed there, planted them there, but then they went out from that place. You know, and so when we remember, it's not so we live in the good old days and we settle for, oh, remember what God did 28 years ago? Actually, no, we're thankful for that. But we remember also God say, hey, listen, don't dwell on that. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? So we have to understand this, that actually we, we absolutely remember what God's done, but absolutely we don't settle there. It's a place for remembrance and thankfulness for his faithfulness, but it's not about camping around it and settling there. It's about saying, hey, let's go again, because what has God got in the days to come? And it's that going again that um, <clears throat> is really exciting. It's one that is full of prophetic purpose. It's full of prophetic vision. It's full of things that many of you in this room have have held on to and stewarded for 28 years, things that we've believed for, things that we've, uh, we've cried over, things that we've um, pursued tenaciously. They're the things that we hold on to as our prophetic future. And I, I was reminded, um, uh, the Lord took me back to the story of Abraham um, over, the coming, over the last couple of weeks. And I was, you know, I, I didn't feel the pressure to bring a, a detailed roadmap of vision this morning because the Lord took me back to, uh, took me back to Abraham. And um, if you read in, in Hebrews 11 verse 8, it's a reflection of Abraham's life and this pivotal moment in his journey uh, with God. And it says this, By faith Abraham, 
when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now listen, I, I, I'm not standing up here telling you we don't know where we're going. I mean, I do regularly tell you that we don't know what we're doing. That still remains the case. Uh, that's the, one of the best places to be in any form of leadership is uh, I don't know what I'm doing well in over my head because uh, guess what? You're 100% dependent on Holy Spirit. You're 100% dependent on God. But as we look towards the future and, and, and dreaming with God, I, I'm reminded of this very simple thing that ultimately when God said to Abraham, I want you to move, Abraham said, yes, I, I'm going to go. And he went and on the way, he said, God, where are we going? And God said, when you get there, I'll tell you. And there's this beautiful simplicity because in many ways that when we look towards our future, when we think and we're stewarding all this sense of prophetic and I know for many of us, even this building thing right now is a real thing that we're contending for. And I'll give you some more updates on that next week. But um, we're contending for many things. We're in, 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 contending for the more. Things that we've seen in small embryonic form, things that we've seen in seed form, salvations, things that we've seen um, in terms of growth and the supernatural. You know, these are things that we have expected for, but we want to see the great, so much more of as we move towards our future. But there's this simple thing that Abraham discovered in, in his journey with God. And that was that in, the, in, in a sense, probably any desire that he had for a roadmap, a detailed description of where he was going, was usurped by God's commitment to relationship. And that's the same for us. Often we want a roadmap and God just says, I've got relationship. Oftentimes when we think about our future, we're thinking, God, would you give us clarity? I want all the detail, but God offers connection. We want a roadmap, He gives us relationship. We want clarity and He gives us connection. And I'm fully convinced that we've, we build our community around a pursuit of the presence of God. Because ultimately we know that wherever we go, God will tell us when we've got there. Because we're going with Him. And that's for your individual lives. That's for us as a community that as we, as we dream and we pursue all that God's called us to do. And, and, and in this coming year, our 29th year, you know, meditate on that stuff that prophetically Banning brought. I feel like the significance on, on, on our maturity journey in this 29th year. But as that journey is marked by one thing, let it be marked by a connection and relationship to Father God. Let us always pursue as our highest value a connection. Because listen, that was what was paid for on the cross. What was paid for on the cross was not a roadmap to the rest of your life. It was relationship for eternity with your Father. Like that's what was paid for. And so I, I guess in, in simplest form, as we mark and we celebrate all that God's done, but we, we remind ourselves of all that God promises that, of what lies ahead, it is entirely built on, is entirely framed by relationship with Him. And that's what we're going to go after. That's what we're going to pursue. And we'll discover along the way where to place our feet. We'll discover on our, along the way where we're supposed to buy our building. We'll discover along the way how we're supposed to creatively do community and reach this beautiful city called Manchester. We'll discover all of those things because we go and we live with a God who's committed to us and he's committed to transforming this city. So in simple, in simple um, senses, we wanted to mark 28 years. There's nothing prophetic necessarily about, uh, in fact, I'll let you into a secret. This isn't even the first day when we started meeting. It was just the day we decided to pick 
and it will be henceforth our birthday. <laughs> but we are, yeah, scandal. There's <laughs> people walking out. No, don't leave. <laughs> um, but Jenny, we, 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 um, for Sarah and I, we wanted to again express our um, deep gratitude for, um, for being able to lead this beautiful community. We, we count it as a great honor and a great privilege to, to do life with you, to run this beautiful race called Pursuing Jesus and Following Jesus together. And, and I hope uh, that actually we have many, many more years and many more birthdays to not just remember, but to get excited about all that God wants to do in us and all that God wants to do through us. In a moment, I'm going to actually ask Martin and Linda to come and we're going to pray together as we close out this morning. So if they want to come now, that'd be great. Martin and Linda, um, my parents. Um, Martin Linda planted this church um, 28 years ago. <clears throat> there was five of us, because that's all that's in our family. <laughs> and, um, and they took incredible, um, incredible faith journey to pursue God for this, this church family. And um, it's an amazing privilege, because they transitioned the church 10 years ago, next September. It's nine years, 10 years next September. And um, I say this to, to lots of church leaders, especially young emerging leaders um, that we get, Sarah and I get to interact with, but my parents did a phenomenal job at transitioning this church family into Sarah and I's leadership. You know, most churches transition when somebody dies or someone sins. Like those are the two genuine hallmarks of church transition across this nation. But what my parents did, where they had plenty of life, energy, vision, and courage, they placed that courage and they placed that, entrusted that vision to Sarah and I. And we hope that we continue to steward much of what they dreamed about. And so it's important that, I guess, as we close out this morning and, and pray together, as we remember and we remind ourselves, but we also, we dream for the future, that we recognise that, um, that this community is, is built on the lives of people who lay their lives down for one another. That's, that's what we do. That's what family is. That's why we build like family, because that's what this literal group of people is. It's our family. So we're going to pray for a couple of minutes. And so, in fact, why don't you stand? Let's do that as we, uh, as we pray this, this morning. Just so you know, it was the 16th of September. So just, just so you know, we just want to bless you and encourage you for the future. Thank you, God, that this church was founded upon the knowledge and understanding of your heart, God, your heart for your people and your love for your people, God. And that as it says in Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61, the verses that we establish this church upon, that you heal up the brokenhearted, Lord, that you set the captive free and you care for the poor. And I pray that the church will continue to stand strong in the knowledge of your word, that it will be upheld and honoured and obeyed. 
And I ask, Lord, that these people and those that you bring here would walk righteously. That they would walk as obedient servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that they would love you with all their hearts and trust you and abide in you, Lord, through every circumstance. And may they stand strong together as soldiers of Jesus Christ and as trailblazers that they walk onwards in the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless them, Lord, today and into the future. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for Phil and Sarah and for you, for the rest of you, out of Ephesians chapter 1, 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Father, may your Holy Spirit be poured out on your people here that uh, signs and wonders and great miracles and, and great rebuilding of people's lives would happen through the, through the power of your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.